chapter 8. Yes, ma'am. Is it hot in here? Is it just No, I, it's, it's, <laughs> I didn't know if you were quote Nelly or were you. I don't know if they remember last week the air. I don't know if it's working or not, but I'm gonna make it quick and we're gonna get on about it. What do y'all think? <laughs> I thought y'all was about to start singing Nelly. It's good. I just said, stop playing. Stop playing up in here. Hey man, I don't know if the air is on. I told them last week that it wasn't working, so maybe they gotta work to get it. Get it corrected, amen. We just go out there. And then it's hot as outside. It's hot. Amen. We ain't that close to the equator. <laughs> but amen. Book of John, familiar passage of scripture. But this passage of scripture, I just feel like, man, has been every time I turn around, I gotta explain to somebody this passage of scripture. And uh, when, you're, when you're living with family or friends or um, when you're living with um, or working with different people with different faith, you know, or some people don't have faith at all, of course, we live our life differently, you know? You know, so the sin in you, you know, and the sin in me, the grace for you, the grace for me. So in John chapter 8, very familiar passage of scripture, the woman is caught in adultery and brought before Jesus. And of course, they, um, you know, Jesus was a powerful teacher. And a lot of things that the Pharisees and the Sadducees didn't understand, number one, because they weren't his children. Remember, his, we hear his voice. Those of us that are believers, we hear his voice. But there are some people that, regardless of what is said, just can't hear his voice. And uh, when we start here and, um, in John chapter 8 and verse 6, it says, This they said, tempting him, that they might uh, have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first uh, cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground and they which were heard being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted uh, up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, woman, where are those uh, your accusers? Has no man condemned thee? And she said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Very uh, beautiful and compassionate uh, passage of scripture revealing. One thing I love, like John is writing totally different from the synoptic gospels. I mean, John just starts off the book talking about Torah, teaching and instruction in righteousness. I love that about John. It's the same way Moses started with Bereshit, John starts with Bereshit. And it comes to a point in John chapter 1, it says the law was what? Given by Moses. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So Jesus comes down. He comes down from glory, places himself in a woman, and God is birthed, and he's walking around like us. And of course, 
his own don't recognize who he is, the people that do recognize who he is are really his, his children. And he's always trying to teach his children his ways, his thought process, and everything like that. This whole thing about stoning somebody is in the law. Let's go to Numbers chapter 15 just to take a look at what it was like in the time of um, Moses' day and the children of Israel. Numbers chapter 15, verse 32. Remember, the sin in you, the sin in me, the grace for you, the grace for me. That's really hard to understand. We were brought up with that, ooh, I'm telling. You know that? Yeah. But if somebody loved you, they wouldn't tell on you. You know that? You ever, you ever be so close that somebody would tell you, shh, just don't say nothing. Just leave it alone, let's go. Because <laughs> they knew you would be in trouble. I was the youngest of five, so sometimes my older brothers and sisters would be like, just don't say nothing. They love you so much, but they knew your behind was going to get whooped. They knew the punishment that was coming. In Numbers chapter 15, you know, when you're listening to the law every day, you're going to come across some things that's going to hit your heart. Okay? Remember, the Lord commanded Joshua to study, listen, and eat the book of Moses every day. Day and night, he commanded Joshua that. I don't know if you think about it, but he commanded Joshua. If Joshua wanted to prosper and have great success in his life, the Lord said, you better eat that book. You better eat it every day. You better eat that unleavened bread and stop sitting over here eating all this leaven. Leaven, a little leaven. What? Leavens the whole lump. So the Lord said, you better eat that book of Moses. You better eat it and you better eat it. And Lord, I... It ain't got no taste to it. <laughs> Can we put a little salt on it or something like that? Can I get a little picante sauce or something to go along with this? Boy's like, no, you better eat that unleavened bread. So look at this place right here where this gentleman gets stoned. Let's take a look at it, okay? We got one woman caught in adultery. This man is working on the Sabbath. But just, just think about this. Verse 32 says, And while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man that gathered sticks upon the Sabbath day. And they that found him gathering sticks brought him unto Moses and Aaron and unto the, all the congregation. And they put him inward because it was not declared what should be done to him. And the Lord said unto Moses, the man shall surely uh, shall be surely put to death. And all the, all the congregation shall stone him with stones without the camp. And all the congregation brought him without the camp and stoned him with stones. And he died as the Lord commanded Moses. Man. Ain't that something? So all the way until the time when Jesus is sitting there, minding his business, and they bring this woman before him that they were, you know, that they caught in adultery, folks were being stoned by other people. That means the same people you grew up with, the same people that you lived around in the same community uh, would bring you before somebody because they found you in sin. And uh, depending on what the penalty is, they would kill you. The same people that you grew up with on a daily, 
bases, lived in the same house with. So-called friends would bring you before Moses and um, stone you. And it happens today. Happens all the time today. Um, It's something changes. Verse 37 says here, the Lord spoke to Moses saying this. He says, speak unto the children of Israel and bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations, that they may put upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue. They're going to put in the bottom of their garment a border of blue around the bottom. And verse 39 says, and it shall be unto you for a fringe that you may look upon it and remember all, not some, all the commandments of the Lord and do them that you seek not after your own heart and your own eyes after which you use to go a whoring that you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your God. I, the Lord, your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I, the Lord, your God. So after this stoning takes place, God comes up with this thing to remind everybody in this room right here and all of those that call themselves his children about all of his commandments. Do you hear me? That's what God does. God says, everybody in the room, you better, you better know your own life. Moving forward, you better know your own life. You better remember the day that this man was stoned for going out on the Sabbath and picking up some sticks. Maybe the house was cold. I don't know what was going on, but this man went out to gather some sticks. And surprisingly, there were other people out there. Maybe they didn't beat them to it. We're in the same place. They didn't say what they were there for. Sometimes things can be left outside of places. Sometimes people, you know, you may be working on your yard or having a yard sale and things are left out or maybe you got to run to the store. And magically people find somebody stealing something from your place. They're all there at your place. But they accuse this one person of stealing. You ever be on a job where there be people always would do something. They would go to a certain place on the job uh, to go smoke or, or go to hang out. But they turn somebody else in that they don't like for doing what they all would do. God is trying to tell the children of Israel here. He says, you know what? All of y'all make sure that you put a blue ribbon under the borders so that you'll remember to keep all of my commandments. The thing that I've been teaching one of my uh, people that I work with, they don't believe what I believe. And for the past couple of weeks, they keep asking me, why do I keep extending grace to people that don't deserve it? Why do we as believers keep extending grace to people that don't deserve it? We should be just like these people in the book of Numbers. We should be like, you know what, let's bring them before the Lord. When you bring them before the Lord, the Lord says, what is, what is the penalty for sin? 
Well, we know that because Paul, you know, the wages of sin is what? But the gift of God is what? So we always want death. But what does God really want? Number one, we better know who we are. We're sinners saved by grace. So everybody that you live around, everybody all over the planet and all over the news are sinners just like you and I. Because when we compare ourselves to his mitzvahs or his commandments and his precepts and his statutes, all of us have sinned to what? All of us. Everybody in the room, all of us have sinned. So what bothered me reading this is that these people that are turning these men, this, this man, they find this man and each and every one of them know they are guilty of sin. They know that they're guilty of some type of sin, but here we go. Ooh, I'm telling. But nobody's telling on you, but you're going to run over and tell on somebody else. But when you start spending time with the Lord, you realize just how many mistakes that you made in life. The longer you spend time with the Lord, you realize that, man, I just messed some things up while I've been saved. I said some things and done some things, man, that I have no business doing. And all of a sudden, the longer you spend time with him and you realize that the whole relationship between me and the God I serve is grace. Something has to change. Either we're going to be children of grace or we're going to be children of the law. What are we going to be? If it wasn't for the law, we wouldn't even know what sin is. And the wages of sin is death. Or are we going to be children of grace? Grace is the fact that we understand what the law is saying, but we can't keep the entirety of the law. We're just going to fall. And when we get to something of that mentality, maybe God can use us. Because God can't use us to save anybody if we're law-abiding. Because the person that needs to be saved is somebody that we've already condemned to death. I don't know if we understand that. The whole rest of these sinful men and women that are out here that are committing these acts deserve death. So we don't say much of the children of Israel wouldn't even deal with the Samaritans. The children of Israel missed the whole point. And it bothered me because every time I kept starting my Bible app, I kept going to this place over here over and over again. So I run into a gentleman and one of the managers asked me, he says, man, why are you even talking to that dude? And I said, why wouldn't I talk to him? I've known him since I've been here. Been with me for a long time. He's good people. Oh, my God. And I asked him, I said, man, you don't do nothing wrong in your life. You never made a mistake. You never did something that you regret. You never did that. Yeah, I do. But well, tell me, man, what is right and what is wrong? I have the ability, because of the position that I have, either to never deal with somebody again or to give them forgiveness and ask them to come on back home. So which is the best way to do it? You know, what is the best way to do it? This young man started running into a situation in his own family. And really, people sometimes, they, you always got to find somebody that can hold water. Because if you got a friend that can't hold water, you can't call them. You know, if you got a family member you, that can't hold water, you can't call them. 
If you work with people that can't hold water, you can't talk with them. But what happens sometimes, man, is somebody will come by and say, yo, you got a minute? I'm like, sure, baby, what's the word? I'm thinking they want to talk about the Eagles or the Cowboys, you know what I'm saying? And they say, man, let's take a walk. I said, okay, baby, let's walk. And they start talking. They said, I just, I needed somebody to drop this on. I said, no problem, man, because I'm going to drop it too. I'm going to drop it off when I get in prayer because <laughs> I'm not holding it. And they begin to talk to me about the issues that are going on in their family. And they say, do you know what I mean? I'm so frustrated, man. I'm cutting people off. And I told him, I said, well, you know me. That ain't God's will for your life to cut nobody off. And they say, man, but you don't understand, Mark. I said, no, I'm, I'll be 55 pretty soon. I, I got a good understanding of right and wrong. I think I do. I said, so today I choose to give grace today instead of being caught up, you know, in my feelings. And I said, and people are going to disappoint you. And I said, and I'm sorry, but you're going to disappoint people too. But when you disappoint people, do you want them to cut you off or do you want them to hear you out? And he said, man, I knew I should have never talked to you. <laughs> I, said, I said, brother, you can do whatever you want to do because it's your life, but be not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that's what he reaps. If the longer the time that I spend with God, you know, he reveals to me more and more about his word and he reveals to me and I realize that I got to confess sins and I've got to make a decision. I've got to change. I don't know if that's going on in your life or not, but it goes on in my life. See, the sin in you, the sin in me, the grace in God for you and the grace of God for me. So as you young people are growing up, you're going to have friends that are going to disappoint you and you're going to disappoint other people. You're going to make some dumb choices in your life, just like I do. And I'll be 55 pretty soon, and I still make some dumb choices. Is that all right to say, or should I tell you a lie? I don't know if people, I don't know if you want to get lied to this morning, but I just don't feel like doing that no more. You ever just want to stop from lying? God will bring us to a place where we're done lying and we're done talking about people. You just want to come to a place because the more you start to take a look at sin, sin brings death. It really does. It, it ends relationships, ends jobs sometimes. Sin sometimes even causes disease and stuff to come into our life. Sin is ridiculous. And God was mad. Jesus was manifested, number one, to, for us to have forgiveness of sins. He was manifested to destroy what the enemy intended the day that he got Adam and Eve to eat that forbidden fruit to cause sin to come into their life. He was, Jesus was manifested to destroy that. But look at God here in, the, in Numbers 15. He says, hey, we'll bring about death then. But you know what? You better bring about that border upon everybody's skirt so everybody now knows that everybody's going to be held in check to every single commandment. When we jump back over here to John, and if you look at John chapter one, I love John, man. The more I keep reading John, John just, he, he's just like the others. He was there with them, but he just begins to change some things. You know, John 1 and 16, it says, and, his, and of his fullness, have all we received and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. It says there in verse 18 that no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten son, which is in the bosom of the father, he has 
declared him or he has brought the father out from behind the scenes because all we know is what we read in the book of Moses sometimes and what the decisions that the father made. But God so loved the world. That's what John wrote. That John 3.16, God so loved the world. And that's what he starts to talk to you and I about. And that's what I have to talk to young men and women about. God so loved. Do I so love the world? That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him shall what? Not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. That's at every football game, whether you're an Eagles fan or a Cowboys fan. That's one thing all the fans have in common is John 3.16. Somebody's always holding it up in the crowd to let you and I know what is going on. John chapter 8 again. Like I said, we're not going to be here real long. What happens to a believer that they don't understand grace? What happens to a believer when a believer just wants the worst for their neighbor? What happens to a believer to get them to a place like that? And I'm telling you, first of all, you got to find out whether or not they're a believer. Uh, That's the first question you have to ask somebody. Are you a believer? Especially when that person has such anger and hatred in their heart for another human being. You have to ask that individual, did you ever give your life to the Lord? Because if you gave your life to Jesus Christ, Jesus is nothing but love. He brings God from behind the scenes. He ain't nothing but love. Now, I know my God is a killer, and one day you'll see it with your own eyes. But he offers so much grace and mercy. Going back to the text here. Now, Moses in verse 5 commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? And now they're sitting here talking God to God face to face. I know that people think that he's a man, but he's not a man. He's not a man. They are talking to God himself. One thing that John expresses in John chapter 5 is that the Pharisees said, if you literally are the son of God, that that makes you God, which goes back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, not two, not three, but one. You see Jesus, you see the Father. If you want to see the Father, look at Jesus. So that means that all the way back here in Numbers chapter 15, the father is sitting there and he has to make a choice and a decision to end a man's life. And then he tries to take his commandments and his precepts and his statutes and make sure that we read them all over again. And if you can read his precepts and his statutes and his commandments And you're not convicted in your heart because if you break one of the commandments, you broke all the other 612. And you're worthy of the same death as this man that was out there picking up sticks. The same God hasn't changed. He's the Lord, our God. He what? He changes not. So imagine what the father really wants to say because Jesus is bringing the father from behind the scenes. 
All those commandments, all those people that accuse that man. And if you and I are accusing people of sin, if we got somebody's name in our mouth destroying them and we look into the perfect law of liberty and nothing is happening in our heart, then I have a problem. I have a problem with that individual that calls themselves a believer and they could just so easily accuse the brother. Now, we know Satan is the accuser of the brother. We know that he is. But to hold somebody to their sin is devilish because that's what the devil does. He holds you and I to our sins. And every time that we get on our knees to pray, every time that we begin to cry out to God, he begins to cry out about the sins that you and I commit on a daily basis. And the father has to say that he has forgiven. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. Jesus wouldn't be God if he didn't forgive in this text right here. Because that's what the father wanted to do in Numbers 15. They said, uh, tempting him that they might uh, have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground, as if he didn't hear them. So when they continued asking him, he lifted himself up and said to them, he, <laughs> this is the reason for the blue border now on the garment. This is the reason why now you and I walk around now with something on our hands saying, you know, all the commandments. So we get to open our mouth up about somebody doing something that's uh, against the law. Maybe we're reminded about what we just did two minutes ago that wasn't supposed to be done either. And he challenges them. This, this is what should have happened in Numbers chapter 15, because the first thing that somebody wants to say is, "Ooh, you in trouble. My father, he always used to get me all the time because I want to come in. I think I came in maybe twice and I got the revelation of what he was saying. And it didn't take me long to get the revelation of what he was saying, because when he tell you something, he ain't telling you nothing three or four times. But as a child, sometimes you want to run in and tell on somebody. And he would say, hold on, hold on, hold on with your story. Hold on. Well, I'm trying to tell you about what Sister Carolyn did. He said, hold on. Before you tell me about Sister Carolyn, he says, tell me all about what you did. <laughs> Story ain't about me, Pop. <laughs> it's about Sister Carolyn. See, you don't understand, Sister Carolyn. He said, hold on, hold on. He's like, I, I, Sister Carolyn ain't my child. <laughs> I just want to know about my child. That's what my dad used to say. And I would be all frustrated. So I'm like, that's, that's, how, we, that's how we live today, right, Pop? And he started laughing. He said, listen, son, I just want to know about you first. Tell me all about you. And I would end up going back outside. He said, don't come running in here no more. The second time I did it, he asked me that same thing again. But I got the revelation of it. You know what, man? That was the last time I ran in to tell him something because he would always see the other side of the coin. Right here, I'm telling you, all the people from the time of Moses to this time right here when Jesus is now walking around, when God is walking around, they finally get some act right. They killed a man. How many people have we talked about and destroyed their character 
And we never ever thought about our own character. How many, how many times have we destroyed our own children or destroyed our own parents or our own brothers and sisters, our own cousins, our, our, our BFFs, our FFBs? I don't know what these acronyms are for, but whatever acronym you got for somebody that's supposed to be your dog. <laughs> how many times have we destroyed somebody's name? It happens all the time on social media, on the news, where people, the news is all about somebody's mistake. But he says here, he without sin among you, let him cast a stone at her. And for some unapparent reason, this statement that he made challenged the whole place. It says everybody starting from the oldest left one by one. They started thinking it, it must have been such an impact because, see, I, I can't preach like Jesus. Jesus could sit here and I'm telling you, because he's God, he could put out one sentence and it'll convict the whole room because he's the light of the world. I'm not the light of the world. I'm just your brother. But it just bothers me today that we have no grace no mercy when you and I always want to quote that scripture. While I was yet in sin, Christ already died for me. I thank him for his grace. <laughs> but we have no grace for nobody else. Verse 8 says, again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. And they which heard being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw no one else but the woman, he said unto her, woman, where are your accusers? I wish that happened back here in the book of Numbers. I wish that's the way it went down, but it didn't. I wish, man, that the people that bombed that church because those little, it was a black church and they killed those four little girls. I wish that they could go back and do it all over again. You know that? I wish the young man that could went in there and killed those people in Buffalo had an opportunity to hear Jesus. Sometimes people don't get a chance to hear Jesus until after the fact. Sometimes the Holy Spirit doesn't speak to you and I till after we just got finished running our mouth. Why isn't he speaking to us before we start running our mouth? That's, that's, I, there has to be a problem. And teaching people, I know people don't have to agree with me, but people deserve another chance. Because every day I wake up, I get another opportunity to try to do what my father is telling me to do. Every day I wake up, it's grace. Every day I wake up, it's mercy. New mercies I see every day. And I can't extend no grace and no mercy to nobody else. Woman, where are your accusers? Has no man condemned thee? She said, no man, Lord. That's the way it should have happened in the book of Numbers. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. That's what the father wanted to do 
in Numbers chapter 15, but because of the hardness of the people's heart. Because of the hardness of their heart. They even put a man in like a, a place where they could go and seek the Lord. The Lord was like, well, we'll do what the law says. And nobody there said, wait, Moses, wait a minute. Now, you know, all of us messed up. I mean, I wasn't getting sticks and everything like that, but I was out there telling lies. Before you kill him, Moses, you're going to have to kill the whole congregation of Israel. Because all of us have sinned and come short of glorifying God with our life. God would have to literally kill everybody in Israel because there was none righteous. No, not one. When it comes to the law, all have sinned and come short of the glory of the Lord. So being convicted in our hearts this morning, the Lord is going to ask, where is your accuser? Well, Lord, they bounced since you said all that. <laughs> he said, go and what? Sin no more. Because you and I, we knew it was sin from the beginning. But we went ahead and did it anyway. You and I, he ain't letting the woman off the hook for what she did. But go and sin no more. I bet you Jesus is going to try to tell her because I ain't going to be here next week. <laughs> I got a date with a cross. And I'm not going to be here for them to throw you at my feet and me to, you know, kick a word. They're going to do because they, they're not my children, so they're going to do what they want to do. So you better not go out here and keep doing what you're doing because one day you're going to think they're going to throw you at somebody else's feet. And that person's just a man. And they're going to condemn you to death. But me being God, I came, you know what I'm saying, that you might have life and what? Life more abundantly. So when you and I study the word of the Lord, really study it, not just skim through it, you'll find that we are lacking in areas of our life. And we'll find that some of our so-called friends and family are lacking in their life. And we will keep our mouths off people. But if you find yourself running off with the mouth about somebody's life, Obviously, you don't have a blue border on your garment. Maybe yours is beige. Maybe you got a yellow one. <laughs> Maybe you got a green one. Maybe you got a gray one for the Cowboys. Maybe I got a green one for the Eagles or something. I don't know. But if it's blue, that means that you've been studying the word. And that means that you get it. We need to shut our mouth up and stop running off with it. The sin in you the sin in me, the grace for you, the grace for me. It's how we live. If we can't forgive somebody for their sins, then you already know our Heavenly Father will not forgive us, all right? So we have to move in that direction. So it really bothered my heart looking at that. You know, I kept going through. I'm still doing the first five books over and over again. You know, if Joshua was successful... I want to be successful and I can be successful because Joshua was, was successful. He brought the children of Israel into the promised land and there's a promised land for you and I. And the Lord said, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. 
I want the same thing that Joshua got. It, well, look, what God has for me is for me. And that promise that he made to Joshua is a promise that he's making to you and I. All these things were given as an example for you and I. And if you and I will commit ourselves to it, do you hear me? All we have to do is commit ourselves to seek in his face like he told Joshua. And our way will be prosperous and we'll have a good success. And I'm telling you that we won't be talking about nobody while we're walking on our journey. We'll be helping our brothers and sisters up. I will be my brother or sister's keeper. I will not be using my brother or sister. I will not be dogging my brother or sister. I will realize that, you know what? We in this thing together. Your sin has now become my sin because now I'm praying with you. You know how we tell somebody, I'm praying for you, Thomas. No, 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 no. I am praying with you. I'm coming alongside of you because I got sin in my life and I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to grab your hand and hand to hand, you and I are going to pray. I'm going to confess my faults. You confess your faults and we're going to pray for one another and God will hear us and God will heal us because we know the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, which is righteous by his faith and not by his works, availeth much. I'm going to stand with you. I'm not standing against you. I'm not going to accuse you. We already got one like the scripture says that is our accuser. And every time that you and I, listen, I tell you the times that you get down to pray when you're by yourself, you find your enemy bringing up things in your mind that you have done. But when a brother or sister comes and stands with you, I'm telling you, your accuser can't stand there. Listen to these words, y'all. Meditate on these words. Share these words with others, but please live a life of grace and live a life of mercy because that's who our father is. I know he's a killer. I know he destroyed this planet, but that's not his will. Let your will be done, Father, in my life and in my sister and brother's life like it is in glory. That man should have never died. Right here, when they tried it again, they did it with Moses, but when they tried it with God face to face, it didn't work. And it ain't going to work. You're talking about no weapon formed against us shall prosper. When they bring your name before our God to destroy you, it ain't going to prosper. It ain't going to prosper. It ain't going to prosper. You want to know why? Because you got grace in your heart. You got forgiveness in your heart. You got love in your heart. There's something different about you. Our father's sheep hear his voice. Amen. That's all I got for you today. Anybody else got anything on their heart?